This podcast is part of the Podcast Arcade Network. Welcome to episode 26 of Paranormal Dads. I'm your co-host, Andy. I'm Pat. And I'm Eddie. Join us as we go in search of the world's monsters, myths, and mysteries, right here on Paranormal Dads. All right, boys, welcome back. It's been a while. It has. Got a quarter century of episodes under our belt. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. 25 behind us, on to the next million. (laughs) (laughs) So it's been been crazy, as always. I mean, our schedules uh, never seem to slow down, but we're we're back better than ever. We got a, a really good one locked and loaded for you. Yes. I'm, you know, like you said, you know, you can't control life. Like the timing of things just happens sometimes. And um, the mark of any good parent, in my mind, is like you just got to react. Like you had, to, you just got to be what you need to be at that moment. You know, basically you're Inspector Gadget. Like you, <laughs> you just got to start yanking things out of your hat. And that's been all three of us the past well, like month and a half or so. Yeah, we put the dad in paranormal dad. What'd you say the other day? Your your daughter got her key stuck in the car ignition and couldn't get it out. Yeah, the car was running, and I I argue the car was legit possessed. Like <laughs> the car was running, she couldn't get it the key out, and I tried, couldn't get the key out, and my first thought was, be careful not to break off the key. I broke off the key. You broke off. The Snapped key. it right off in the ignition. So that was its own batch of craziness and. It's a teenager high schooler car, so it's going to have all sorts of weird little things wrong with it. But, you know, as long as it can get her there safe, that's the big thing. But, yeah, that was our, our drama. Nah. And sure. then, Pat, you, you've been like a glorified taxi driver lately trying to get your kids all over the place. And- we've, we've been getting around quite a bit. We've been to Kansas City for band events. We've been to uh, Minneapolis for band events. Eddie's been to Minneapolis. Whew. Yes, um, family you know, vacation. It, it's been uh, a lot of traveling on the weekends, and it seems like you come home from – a trip and you're just exhausted and you go into another week of work and it just, it never ends. It's just rinse and repeat over and over again. But uh, yeah, it's good to finally get together in the same room once again and, and try to knock out a couple of episodes and uh, have some fun. And Andy, you've been cranking out all sorts of special events and different like <laughs> galleries and all yeah. sorts of crazy. Yeah, I've been busy with work. Uh, you know, over uh, the week of Halloween, yeah, I did a kind of a ghost stories special event kind of presentation at my facility, and and then you know, but in the end, you know, I know we we get stressed, you know, the f- family obligations and the time limitations and whatnot. You know, what made it all worth it for me is my uh, four year old daughter was a hot dog for Halloween. That's amazing. <laughs> so just head to toe, hot dog outfit, you know, mustard, bun, the whole nine yards, and then her head just pokes right through the middle. And 
It was funny because everything she did on Halloween, because she wore her costume half the day at school and everything, yeah. but everything she did was more funny. It was funnier because she was wearing a hot dog outfit. Exactly. You know? <laughs> so like, oh, there's a hot dog, uh, you know, uh, eating lunch. There's a hot dog getting out of the car. It's just like, it was so hilarious. So the question is, did she have ketchup on her? The people in Chicago want to know. She was a, a she was a, a purist. No, uh, no, no ketchup. No ketchup on yes. yeah. Good. Next year, she's talking about being a slice of pizza, so there's... There's a trend here. I'm all for putting the ketchup on the hot dog. You are. I don't care. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah. You Americans. Put it on. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm kind of in the can. I, I just like mustard and maybe some sauerkraut if I'm feeling crazy. It's kind of like a pineapple on pizza. You like it or you don't, and there's yeah. no in between, right? Yeah. But here we go talking about hot dog and hot <laughs> dogs are and dads. mustard. We're dads. We're dads. <laughs> we just ate lunch, too. Well, let's put the paranormal in paranormal dads, and we'll get into the first segment, which is always uh, recent sightings. Recently, and I do mean recently, um, it was last year, so as recent as a year ago, Oumuamua, as it was named, was discovered by Robert Werrick using the Pan Stars Telescope at, I'm going to butcher this, Haleakala Observatory on October 19th, 2017. Sounds Hawaiian. In Hawaii. I was going to say, that sounded very <laughs> in Hawaiian. Ohio. <laughs> in Ohio. <laughs> and uh, so to give people kind of a breakdown who haven't heard of this thing, it has been dubbed the cigar-shaped probe. Um, it does not, demand, not meant to sound a little risque, <laughs> but it's shaped like a cigar, <laughs> and it's floating in space. Not And not floating. I take that back. Not floating at all, in fact. So... The fun things about this object were that um, it was from outside of our solar system. Um, all meteors and comets, even though it seems like they don't come by very, like the ones that come by regularly, I think it's like uh, Halley's. Halley's Comet. Isn't Hale-Bopp still a thing? I don't know. But yeah, I mean, some of them have uh, yeah, very... Yeah, I don't know how often they come around. But right. Yeah, Hale-Bopp was a big one back in the 90s. That's yeah. the one where... They had that huge mass suicide in yeah. California. Oh, people decided to buy the same sneakers and yeah. go home. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the purple shrouds and the but Nikes. Some of them are predictable, though, because uh, Mark Twain was born uh, when Haley's Comet was passing overhead. And then, you know, 60, 70, 80 years later, he always claimed he was going to go out with Haley's Comet. And sure enough, he died when it was overhead again. Yeah. You know, right there at the end. So, but this thing came from outside the solar system. It is the first observed object that is interstellar. It is outside of our solar system. Um, they can tell this by its trajectory. They had not seen this thing coming before. There's no record of this having been observed. It came closer to us than the moon at one point. Oh my gosh. That's. Yeah, and it it had a trajectory unlike any other meteor or comet that they had. They these uh, astronomers and astrophysicists have observed. It did not behave like any meteor or comet recorded in human history. (laughs) So here we go. Uh, Oumuamua is Hawaiian uh, for messenger or scout. And right out of the gate, when they decided to name it, they called it that because it behaved in a way that you would, and I'm going to use the word assume, something that was gathering data would. It did uh-huh. a hard, it did a, basically it came around the sun and, uh, you know, uh, close, close as the moon or maybe a little closer, um, 
kind of came by Earth and then did a return orbit back out again. And and the moon's close. I mean, in cosmic terms, it's really close. The moon is about yeah. two hundred and fifty thousand miles away. We can get there in a matter of days. Days, right? That's so, it. I mean, right. it's as close as a, a, a heavenly body can be to your planet. So that right. thing was really close. Yeah, it was close. And uh, to give you some fun little factoids about this thing, I did. I even did a little sketch. Looks like a looks. You did like a, a sketch. A space turd. Very nice. <laughs> space turd. Um, there was no trails or emissions. There was no gas being emitted from this thing. So uh, it doesn't have a tail. No tail. Uh, nothing broke off of it. Um, like like pieces. Uh, t- typically with a meteor or a comet, you will see chunks of ice or methane or other stuff breaking off of it as it goes and does its passes. This thing had nothing like that coming off of it. Um, as it was doing its or, or doing its its uh, trajectory, it at one point sped up. Which people are wondering if it wasn't a gravity assist from the sun, but then the, the counter argument was that's how you would do that if you were doing a probe. You would use the gravitational kind of kind slingshot. Um, the dimensions of this thing get kind of weird. So it's hundreds of meters long, okay. but they're estimating that it's a millimeter thin. That doesn't make any sense. A millimeter thin. Millimeter thin. And that... That's like a... That's- it doesn't make any sense. No. They, the <laughs> thought, the thought, this, the more you read about Oumuamua, the weirder it gets. The, the thinking that it might be some sort of, this is the people who are saying that it's a, like an alien construct, that it would be some form of like a sail, okay. like a solar sail, okay. like a, like a basically picture, like a, like a solar uh, energy panel floating through space. Okay. Um, those are its dimensions. Um, and I think there is some debate on its thickness because that's really thin. That's really I mean, thin. Um, so how, fingernail thin. Okay, so that's as thin as a fingernail. Yeah. Okay, because I'm not up to date on my, you know, uh, your metrics. Millimeter, yeah, my metrics. <laughs> yeah, you're talking probably about as, about as a thick as maybe like three or four playing cards. That's crazy. And then, but the length of a couple football fields. Yeah, hundreds of meters long. That's crazy. Um, so when they say hundreds, I'm thinking it's about 700 feet. Okay, eight hundred feet long. Okay, so not so not football fields, not yeah. yards, but certainly uh, you know, two three hundred feet. Sure. You know? Um. So let me see here. Some fun facts about this thing. Um, it came so close to the sun that it should have emitted some form of gas. Um, because the heat of the sun, um, the gravitational pull, it should have done something to it. Nothing like that happened to it. It retained its structural integrity. Um, it consisted of minerals and alloys that are not found in our solar system, which anything that comes out from interstellar is going to have bring with it things that don't li- live in ours. But just another, another piece of evidence that this thing is not from around here, around here. Wow. <laughs> um, it seemed to have a strange organic coating around it. There was like a, a, a thin coating and the reason, and I was kind of like, how would they, like break that down. How would they know about the coat, the, this coating on it? And the reason they figured that out was because they, uh, the astrophysicists and astronomers who were studying this thing, um, felt like there was evidence of ice inside this thing, but there was a coating around it that prevented the ice from leaving. And so the people who were arguing that it may be a probe 
were if you were to travel through space and you needed some form of either liquid coolant or you needed water for whatever populace that that thing was providing water to, you would want to coat it in a, in a membrane that would prevent that water from escaping. Interesting. A giant, like a water tank. Um, it sped up as it passed through our solar system with no loss in its shape or size. Nothing ejected or broke off of it. Um, and um, a few other fun little factoids. Uh, let's see here. Da, 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 da. Uh, they felt like the people who study these things, these astronomers and astrophysicists, its shape and design quote-unquote design, would be of one that is ideal for interstellar travel, they said. Something that is long enough but thin enough that would avoid collisions with other things. Um, and then lastly, before we get into our discussions here, um, fun fact, this object is similar to an object that was uh, written about in the fictional novel Rendezvous with R Rama, by Arthur C. Clarke, in which a cylindrical alien spaceship enters our solar system. And the scientists in that story also were like, it's a comet, it's a meteor, it's not a, it's not a ship, and it ended up being a ship. Not saying that that, that that proves that, but it's just funny how, once again, kind of like the synchronicity stuff comes into play with that. But like there you go. Life imitating art. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or another Matrix moment, like he kind of tapped into something. You know, there's way more to this thing than just what I wrote down. And the big thing about it was that it was not emitting a signal. And that's what I feel like a lot of the mainstream scientists are dialed in on. Like it wasn't an alien ship because either A, we think that's stupid, or B, it wasn't emitting a signal. The mm -hmm. people who are saying that this thing is behaving is so oddly, you can't leave that off the table. And obviously, if this was a data gathering device, you're not going to just start screaming to the people who you're monitoring, "Hey, we're here." Right. That's just ridiculous. So it's just it's just funny. So let's discuss. <laughs> well, and especially if they want to observe us or study us without interfering, you know, like there's marine biologists who go out into the ocean to to study sharks or whales or dolphins or whatnot, and ideally, you don't want to disturb them. Yeah, you just you just want to blend in, and you want to take your measurements and t and get your data. You don't want to necessarily jump on the shark's back and ride it, or or you know, <laughs> right. make yourself too obnoxiously uh, present. But uh, wow, you know, I read some information about that uh, prior to this recording, and I had no idea it was so thin. It's That's thin. insane. That's yeah. I I I'm, I've seen some you know, like you said, sketches and things of this thing, and. The sketches make I, it look I, like it's it, a. It's a like makes a, it look pretty substantial. It's but, thick, right? Um, when I read that millimeters thin, I was like, "That's like a like like a razor blade, yeah, like a like a geo, like a those like geode coasters floating through space." Um, the what they described it as, the people who think it's an alien construct think it would be like um, a solar like sail, a solar. yeah. Like almost a piece of cloth, uh, like like a rigid membrane that's whole um, purpose is, is to gather solar e energy to propel a smaller craft. The idea being, and this is where I, my kind of conjecture was happening, where you probably if this is what if this is a a solar sail, it would be probably pulling a much smaller object that you may not even be able to detect hmm. with our, like a two man ship that are, that are behind it, you right. know, literally like a little tiny pod that right. wouldn't even show up on those things. Um, that's what I was thinking as I was reading this, like this seems like, and if it did have water in it, it would just have a supply line going to that pod, giving those guys 
some sustenance. I got a couple things to to say. You know, first of all, if this is alien technology of any kind, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could still have, um, I don't know, powerful, more powerful technology in something as thin as a razor. Right. And it could be a more powerful computer than we have here on Earth that could fit inside of a room. Right. Right. Um, Secondly, it almost makes sense to have a razor thin craft or vessel of any kind. You're out in space. You got asteroids, meteor, meteor, you know, meteors. Some of them are even one the the size of a grain of sand can rip a hole through a through a um, through a space shuttle right. if it hits it, you know, at the right velocity. So, I guess being that small minimizes the chance that it would get uh, destroyed or hit by things in, in outer space. Right. You know, th- think of it. You know, uh, you put put an object uh, twenty yards away. You know, you put a bowling pin and you put a razor. Yep. on its edge, which is going to be easier to hit with a baseball. Right. Yeah. You know, you, if it's thin, I mean, it, it kind of makes sense, right? The the dimensions were hundreds of meters long, tens of meters wide, and millimeters thick. Gotcha. And you're probably talking about um, a civilization, if if you can accept that, uh, that that probably has technology far beyond what we can even comprehend. I mean, you look at what some of the stuff we're producing now. I actually work with hard drives now that are the size of what most people would know as a as the size of a memory stick yeah. in that you would normally put in a computer. Now we're we're getting hard drives that look like the same thing. Wow. They're that thin, they're that small, and they're right. super fast. Yeah. You know, so I mean we're 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 evolving in our technology. Yeah. Obviously if if they're out there exploring the heavens, even beyond what we're doing you know they're going to have something that's beyond what we're we're going to imagine. Yep. My my thought is just like what you said. This is not. There aren't aliens on board this thing. Right. I don't even know if it's something that's being like powered. Like it. it I don't know if it is pulling like a sleigh. If it's yeah. pulling a smaller pod. I think if anything, it's just a data a data gathering device. Right. You know that is embedded with all this crazy sensors and technology. That's that its job is to do a slow pass around a planet and then go back and report all the stuff it gathered. You know, it's really uh, mind blowing to fathom. Is let's let's assume that this is uh, not from around here, and it's an alien uh, information-gathering probe of some kind. Sure. There is a very good chance that the civilization who launched that into space is no longer alive. Yeah. <laughs> because that thing could have been floating around for 50 million years, a billion years. Yes, I mean. Uh, longer than the species, you know, the species might not be around anymore. Right. And ditto for us, you know, we have, what was it, Voyager? One and two. Okay, so th- those have been going, and I think those just recently left, left our left, left our. They've been going system. for what 30, 40 30, years, 40, they, longer than that even. They left our solar system. I almost said they left our. They left uh, our solar system. Yeah, yeah. yeah. our solar system. Uh, and it took, and th- that thing's moving. That is the fastest uh, vessel that human beings have ever made because it will continue to slowly uh, gain speed out there in space. Yeah, but that thing's going to keep going forever. Yeah, and <laughs> and. Probably longer than the human species will be around. So, you know, in, you know, five million years, humans might not be around anymore, but that thing will still yeah, will be. That's a good point. So, yeah. Very good point. Yeah. I, and this is one of those things where, like, you, there's so, it, it is a classic paranormal thing. There's enough going on that it piques your interest, it keeps you engaged. And for the people, and I was telling Pat this pre recording, that's the part that triggers me so much where people dismiss it. They had another scientist on American uh, television 
and the scientist basically they were very careful to close the segment with yeah it's not a it's a it's a meteor mm-hmm. and they're like yeah but it's not behaving like one yeah it's a meteor still it's not it's it's not it's not from aliens and then at the end of the segment they began to make jokes right and they i was like do. that yeah. Just the notion of like we got to return to the status quo. We got to yeah. make sure, you know. And I'm like, and but if you take that off to the side and just read the articles, and these are articles from legitimate astrophysicists. This isn't something off of like was it Harvard? Was it Harvard? It was a Harvard study at right. one point. And one of the people from that Harvard study was like, "There's not enough data to take off the table that this is potentially some sort of alien probe." Right. And just like what you said. That doesn't imply anything other than that there's somebody who built this who sent it off to gather data and it's just doing its job. Right. And uh, just like a just like a pool cleaner, like those pool vacuums yeah, yeah. that you yeah. throw in there, That's you right. know, there's nobody guiding that thing. It's just doing what it's meant to it's designed to do. So uh, my my camp, I was squarely on the like this has way more pointing to it being not an a meteor or a, a comet than than a meteor or a comet. So well, I'm oh, so excited. And it's it's not from our solar system. No, it's the interstellar. First object ever. So, you, I mean, you, I don't know. You throw all this together. I'm leaning towards, uh, you know, but I'm a huge UFO nut. But I'm cautiously optimistic. But I don't know. I'm hopeful about this one. I don't. The sad thing is I don't know if we'll ever have enough data to conclusively say either way. But I'm leaning towards it. It could be a, you know, could have been launched by an intelligent civilization once upon a time. Unless you want to take it to a dark place, and this thing is actually loaded with like all sorts of like biomes <laughs> and like spores, and it just makes a it makes a hard pass by a planet like ours, and just releases all of this submicrobial stuff we can't even see. A bunch of robots <laughs> the size of fleas just raining exactly, down on our planet. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Or or like little tiny like mutant like animals, and all they need is water, <laughs> like sea monkeys that become like kraken sized. <laughs> Eddie's really thought about. This. He's really thought about that. <laughs> I, I, it keeps me up at night. <laughs> but yeah, I encourage anyone to look up Oumuamua and all the stuff that came around with it. And uh, it's just a really fascinating read. Um, there was a giant um, object that visited us for funsies. And giant razor blade. Giant razor blade that looked like a turd. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> but super, uh, super exciting. Yeah. Well, good work, Eddie. Aloha. It's time for Pop culture, and the paranormal. Nightmares. Ooh. Fact or fiction? <laughs> Fact, because I just got done with my work week. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you're talking about toys, there is actually a toy line by that name. And... Um, it's a company called uh, Toy Vault, and they are putting out a, a series of dolls uh, that feature paranormal-themed uh, dolls. And we've kind of talked about, you know, there's the Barbie line we've talked about yep. before. But yep. um, these are kind of like little plush dolls, um, very cool-looking. Uh, and they've got a, uh, a series of them. Uh, one of them includes the Mothman. Um <gasps> The other one is Voodoo Doll. Ooh. So yeah. it's literally the stuff of nightmares. Yeah, I wonder if it comes with pins, too. Or... It does. <laughs> uh, there's one called Ble- Bloody Mary, which <laughs> which I didn't even realize was like a, a paranormal thing. You know, I thought yeah. it was a drink, right? Right, yeah. right. <laughs> no, but um, 
the legend of Bloody Mary has been a figure of American myth for, for decades. However, many people don't realize Bloody Mary was a real person. Oh. Her name was Mary Worth. Of course. Um, she was a beautiful, vain young woman, was killed violently in a car accident in the early 1960s. And her face was um, uh, horribly disfigured in the accident. Thus, the legend began. And, um, you know, this is kind of weird because it says she was killed in the accident, but it said Mary was so angry over her mutilation, she swore to destroy all who called to her through the thing she loved the most, a mirror. And so um, are the abundant mirrors of the world simple sheets of glass, or does Mary wait patiently behind the reflective surface so we so... We sow the words, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary, Bloody Mary. Oh, he so, said them three times. I remember. So I guess he oh, said it three times. And, yeah. And, yes, that's and the Mary myth. appears. That's and, the story. Man. I remember being at a sleepover when I was about 12 or so. And of course, that, you know, my buddy that, you know, and I was kind of skittish of, of. Did you do it? I didn't do it, but my buddy did. He went up to the mirror. In in the basement, which basements are inherently creepy anyway. Right. Yeah, he's he, he probably said it like two dozen times. He wasn't, you know, nothing happened obviously, but I was on edge and and I was kind of ready for anything. But yeah, it's you know it's one of those things. Rite of passage, I think, for a lot. I've of never kids, done it. No. I've never had the had the uh, the stones to do, to do it. I've tried. I've gone in there like I'm going to do it. No, well, bloody I just want to go on the Margaret, bloody, bloody Martin, bloody Manny. I just want to go on the record to say there are no mirrors in this room right now. No, thank goodness. Even though I said the words, it doesn't count. This is my plasma TV. Yeah, it <laughs> kind of is like a mirror. A TV. I have my back to it. If you guys see a figure in there, let me know. If I see a face in that TV, I'm gonna jump out the window. Mm-mm. What are uh, some of the other toys, Pat? Uh, un- there's another one. It's a chupacabra. Ooh, uh, a little chupacabra. Cobra plush. So they're they're kind of cute. Are they cute? <laughs> yeah, How could the Bloody are. Mary one be cute though? Is my well, question. Well, she's not so cute. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, you can look at the like look at Chupacabra there. He he, he almost kind of looks like uh, almost a pterodactyl. Yeah, I like Chupacabra looking, looking thing. He's kind of cool. I want the Mothman. I'm sold on the Mothman. Speaking um, of Chupacabras, my four year old daughter. <laughs> she she was talking about chupacabras on the way over here, boys. Nice. <laughs> um, we were at a gas station, so I could stop and get my uh, my pop. And there was a big uh, advertisement billboard sign thing in the parking lot of Camel cigarette brand. So there's Joe. Okay. Is it Joe Camel or whatever? Yeah. Yeah. And she she I didn't see it initially. And she says, "Dad, is that a chupacabra?" Yes. <laughs> <laughs> only only our daughters, right? Exactly. And so I, I I can't figure out what she's talking about. And finally, I see the camel, and Joe I mean. Camel. What you mean that brown camel and she said yeah it's a chupacabra because it's brown and i didn't know what it was <laughs> <laughs> it's brown. i, didn't know I what said it sweetie was. that's a camel that is so and funny. then then i thought of hump day mike 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 <laughs> day. <laughs> I, I love her decision making matrix where it's like it's brown i don't know what it is it's a chupacabra, chupacabra. I, I just love to sit in a, on her uh in her classroom oh yeah during classroom discussions and when she brings this stuff up yeah, and she does. She talks about Bigfoot just openly to anyone who will listen. It's great. That's amazing. Yeah. So these are called what's the? It's the toy chest. Uh, it's the toy vault. Toy vault. Um, you can go go to uh, toyvault.com. dot uh, com, and this is the Nightmares Factor Fiction line. Mm. Um, and the the. the the voodoo doll just kind of looks like a little rag doll yeah, with stitches right. on the arms, and the, the the promotional picture shows somebody jamming a a needle into the side of one of them. That's um, it's kind of interesting. They have a little story about 
each one of these. And oh, they were talking about the practice of sticking pins in dolls or puppets actually had its history in European folk magic, hmm. not the Haitian religion of voodoo. Oh, okay. oh. Over time, the practice evolved and became a method of cursing individuals with pain and suffering. To, today, the voodoo doll has its roots in New Orleans voodoo, which is a form of hoodoo or southern folk mag- magic. Uh, this evolution is believed to have stemmed from the slaves who used puppets uh, to keep their superstitious owners at bay. Um, in traditional voodoo, the puppet uh, is nailed along with an old shoe to trees near graveyards to act as a messenger between this world and the next. Oh, my. Uh, this is not done for ill effect, as it is often portrayed in movies. Hmm. So There's probably a voodoo doll of me that has a giant stack of work next to it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what you want to jam with a needle exactly. of work. Exactly. And bills. <laughs> I just remember there was an episode of Gilligan's Island when I, I can't remember really the storyline, but somebody had created voodoo dolls of every single person on the island. You know, there's a skipper, a Gilligan, a ginger, a <laughs> professor, and somebody was, you know, it must have been some kind of medicine man or something. I don't even remember the storyline. Yeah. But, but they were like sticking pins, and so all the castaways were having like these aches and pains, you know, because <laughs> they were getting... there's somebody doing voodoo on them. There's a lot of that. I wonder if the opposite could be true. So if you make a voodoo doll of somebody you like, can you like give the little doll a shoulder massage, and then the person would feel it? Ooh, <laughs> that's them, nice. Make them feel better. Where's exactly. that coming from? Yeah. Roll up some money and tuck it in its pocket. <laughs> like, Ooh, my bank account. Bing! Where'd that ten spot come from? <laughs> Do that, please, listeners. <laughs> And then the, so, there's there's the, that Mothman doll has me interested in it right there. I know what I'm getting you guys for Christmas now. Paranormal Christmas, dude. Bo- yeah, Mothman. It's, it's pretty cool. Krampus. You know, of course, the, the Moth Mothman was first seen in West Virginia uh, in the fall of 1966. Um, and quickly became uh, made its way into the annals of American myth. Uh, it's estimated to be seven feet tall with large wings and eyes that burn red, and um, it, uh, the explanations for this massive creature range from aliens to Native American curses to interdimensional beings. And um, so whatever its origin, it seems that catastrophe follows appearances of the Mothman, uh, including you look at the deadly bridge collapse in Point Pleasant, West Virginia, uh, which people claim to have seen the Mothman just before this bridge collapsed and a bunch of people died. Yep. Um, I actually started watching that movie, uh-huh. uh, yeah. The Mothman Chronicles. Yeah, uh, Mothman Prophecy. Prophecy. Yeah, yeah. it is yeah. creepy. Yeah, very. Creepy. I got maybe halfway through, right, and and I had to stop, um, and I went back. I found it like for free on on demand on okay. my my cable. Went back the next day to finish watching it. And it must have been like a special thing because it was gone. No! <laughs> so I've seen, I'm halfway through. I didn't get to see you know, the ending of uh, the movie. Now we know we get half so, for Christmas. So I'm going to yeah, have to go rent it now or yeah. something and finish watching it. It's not the feel-good movie of the year. I mean, No, it's, it's it was kinda, pretty dark from the dark part that I saw. It's kind of slow moving, but it is based on real events. I was it Richard Gere? Richard, Richard Gere. Richard Gere's yeah. in yeah. it. I think it's from like the early 2000s maybe. Early 2000s, yeah. 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 It's a good flick if, if you're looking for something spooky. Uh, I would say watch it during the day. It's not monsters jumping out and scaring you scary. It's just eerie, and it's very Yeah, creepy. it was definitely yeah. a slow burn kind of thing yeah. from what I'd seen so far. It was, yeah. you know, um, a lot of weird things going on. It's one that's You can tell that they were you. building up to something. Yeah. 
it sits with you for a while too. Like yeah. that's what I like about those, like those slow burn ones that kind of build up. You kind of keep thinking about it days after. And Mothman is probably one of my favorite stories, like favorite myths. Yeah, hands down. Well, and the the people who claim to have seen that monster, a lot of them are still alive, and their story hasn't changed. Right. And they don't, uh, you know, they 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 seem very genuine and very sincere, but. Yeah, I don't know. I want you, it makes you wonder, would it bring any uh, bad juju into your house to get one of these nightmare yeah. dolls, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I just, ah. Well, if you got a paranormal friend, you know, Christmas coming up, this is one of the things that we'd have to stick in our paranormal Christmas uh, survival that's, that, guide. That's got to make the list on the paranormal Christmas <laughs> gifts. We'll have to come up with that again this year. There so, we go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so um, once again, that's toyvault.com. Check out Nightmares from Fact or Fiction. And now it's time for the main mystery. <laughs> All right, welcome to the main mystery. As you probably already know, we tend to rotate segments, and this week it was my turn to be on the main mystery, and I selected Men in Black. Not the movie, mind you. <laughs> Here come the Men in Black! <laughs> <laughs> but... Like you said earlier, Pat, uh, a lot of times uh, life imitates art and, and, you know, vice versa. So actually, a lot of people don't know that that Men in Black movie, or movies, it's a series, but, you know, that started back in the mid-90s with Will Smith, late 90s with Will Smith. Late 90s, yeah. Tommy Lee Jones. Three of them. Uh, that is based off of a real phenomena. Uh, The Men in Black, it's not just a movie. Um, It's a phenomena of people who who report uh, witnessing... Uh, UFO events, primarily UFO events is what it, what it centers around. So, you know, uh, a couple sees weird lights in the sky, and then the next day they're visited at a restaurant or at their home by uh, gentlemen, uh, 99% of the time it's men anyways, dressed in black suits, black, black sunglasses, black hat, driving a black, you know, uh, vehicle with tinted out windows who approach the, the eyewitnesses and, and in a very... Um, uh, kind of threatening manner, uh, they say you didn't see anything, and you're not going to talk about this or else. And, and there's usually more than one. There's right? usually there's more like than two one. of them or three. They they arrive mysteriously. They disappear suddenly. Um, a lot of the reports are kind of empty threats because they never specifically say what will happen yeah. if you go to the news and share your UFO sighting or else see or else yeah <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but there has been a couple cases, uh, documented cases of people who um, were visited by men in black who told told them, don't go public with what you saw. They did anyway. And then in the days or weeks that followed, the person's house was broken into and the computers and cameras were stolen that included the footage of their sighting. It'd probably be a little tougher to do in today's world because most people who would capture something like that would upload it to social media. Right. So stealing their camera is not going to do a whole lot of good unless you can hack into their online account. Steal their life. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm on a history.com here uh, just pulling some information. And uh, some people think that the phenomena of men in black actually goes back to June 27th of 1947. And it all started apparently with a man, a boy, and a dog on a boat. And as the story goes, uh, a, a man named Harold Dahl, uh, D-A-H-L, Harold Dahl, was on a conservation mission on the Puget Sound uh, near the eastern shore of Washington's Maury Island. And he was gathering logs and, and whatnot, and he saw six donut-shaped obstacles, uh, obstacles, objects, whatever. They were hovering uh, about a half mile above his boat 
before long, one of them fell nearly 1,500 feet, and that was followed by raining metallic debris, and some of that debris actually hit um, Harold's son, Charles, on his arm, hmm. and it also hit the family dog, who did not survive the ordeal. Oh, wow. So whatever this craft was, whatever it was raining down, it took the dog's life. Um, that in and of itself is rather concerning. Um, but Harold was able to take some pictures of the aircraft with his camera, and he later showed those photos to his supervisor, Fred Chrisman. And uh, anyway, long story short, um, Chrisman went back to the scene to look for himself and, and saw the strange craft himself. Um, but anyway, long story short, uh, those gentlemen were visited by you know, apparently, allegedly men in black who, mm -hmm. you know, told them that they didn't see anything. Um, you know, it's kind of uh, what's weird about a lot of these uh, men in black reports is the fact that not just that it's strange that random uh, strangers dressed in black would come by and threaten you about what you saw. You know, how would they know? Mm -hmm. who saw what, mm -hmm. um, you know, if they weren't at the scene of the of the incident. Um, secondly, another odd thing is a lot of the men in black are reported uh, to look from a different era. You right. know, they yeah. look like they're dressed in like 1950s attire. Yeah. Right. Driving a, um, what am I trying to think of, a black... It looks like an old, like, Studebaker-looking you know, car. Oldsmobile. Like, yeah, right. Yeah, with, you know, black tinted-out windows, and, and some of them have those kind of old-fashioned round-rimmed hats, you know, from, like, mm -hmm. the 1940s and 50s. Right. And, um, yeah. I've even heard, like, facial features have been off with a lot of these guys. Like, they they almost don't look human or something odd about the way they they physically appear. You know, their yeah. faces. Some people claim that they it actually looks like they're trying to imitate a human being. Like, you know, they they walk weird. Their 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 pigment is off. Mm -hmm. um, there's there's some uh, a lot of the reports actually claim that the men in black that approach them, it's hard to even pinpoint their ethnicity because a lot of them look like a, a blend. They they have Asian like features. But it's almost like they're a mix between Asian and African and Caucasian, and it's just hard to pinpoint because they, right. they just look different. They mm -hmm. look unique, you know. I remember reading a uh, an, an account of a man who had an extended conversation with a man in black. It wasn't like anything where just just came by and visited and was gone. In fact, I think at one point he had even like gone with him for a drive. This is where it's really hazy on me here, but bear with me. There was a this account of this man that had an extended visit and talk with a man in black and came to the conclusion that this was an android. That this was this was not a it was a humanoid being, but it was not a human. Mm -hmm. And and after there was some more discussion, it was basically like you know, there's there there are aliens here, and you'd be better safe. Like it was almost almost out of concern, not out of like threat. Like I like you, I don't want you to get hurt. Just don't make a big deal out of this. That was kind of the takeaway from the whole thing. But this guy had like extended talks with this entity that wore black and stuff like that. This is one of those phenomenons that that to me, I think the the I, I've. I didn't like the idea of the films coming out with yeah. with, with Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith yeah. because it was it was a big comedy and it was funny. And Men in Black, this is a very dark story. Uh -huh. These these guys are very creepy. Um, 
you know, just kind of shocking to hear some of the stories that people tell about these guys. And so when, when the movie came out, I was kind of disappointed because it was just like, there's nothing funny about these guys, you know? Yeah. They were, you know, the movies kind of make light of it. But, uh, I think even Dan Aykroyd, mm -hmm. uh, the actor, uh, has a story about being visited by men in black. You know, he's one of the most outspoken, uh, famous people who believe in, in different aspects of the paranormal. Yep. And I think he was either visited by the men in black or he, he knows somebody, somebody very close to him was visited by men in black. Um, just creepy, scary stuff. Um, there's a documentary that came out, uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, it's called extraordinary and it's the, the Stan Romanek story. Now, the, it's a documentary. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it still is, but it's such seen that. true, true story. Uh, real guy. Uh, the, it's kind of a documentary on him. And since that um, documentary was released, uh, he's had some pretty uh, heinous uh, legal charges against him. But the documentary kind of follows Stan over the course of, of uh, a long time. He's, he's telling stories that have been happening to, happening to him for decades. Um, and one of the bizarre things that he shared is kind of men in black ish was that he had a, a very bizarre uh, experience, like close encounter, if you will, close encounter of the third kind, I guess it would be uh, maybe the fourth kind even. But he there was a, a ruckus on the side of his house. He saw one, an, an alien being with his own eyes and there was some sort of commotion. And long story short, there was a weird substance that was splattered against the side of his house that wasn't there, and he thought it was of alien origin. So a bizarre series of events unfolded in the days to come, and he was contacted by uh, like a contractor of some kind, a guy who allegedly painted houses, or he was a handyman right. of sorts. He painted over that, uh, that wall that had potential... Uh, physical evidence of UFO, you know, alien goo or goop or whatever the heck it was, biolo biological <laughs> fluid. And so he painted over that and left. And, you know, Stan, I don't know if he needed to pay a bill or he wanted to call the guy for follow-up, but he tried to contact the company that had done the job and the company didn't exist. <laughs> In other words, somebody was trying to cover up the evidence on the side of his house. Right. right. You know. Right. That's an interesting story, and, yeah. and his stories, and then yeah, and the stuff that came out with him later was interesting. Like, well, that's crazy. Yeah, like, it, it. Well, you can watch it if you want to, and, and draw your own conclusions. Uh, uh, for my money, you know, it, it was. It'll definitely give you goosebumps to yeah. hear some of those things. Whether you believe or not is up to you. But yeah, I um I actually brought. Special little treat. Uh oh, um, this and he's is a busting book. out a book. It's a book. That thing looks new, all. This is a new book too. It's with pages and everything. It's got book. pages. Yeah. So this this thing's a beast. It's what five hundred and thirty some pages. It's called the Mammoth Mammoth Book of UFOs. And, and there's no pictures either. No, there? there's no pictures. Oh. It's all content. Oh. I mean, it's by <laughs> it's by Lynn Picknett, uh, Mammoth Book of UFOs, and. This is a this is a goodie. I have it dog-eared, uh, the page here. And this is a story that I read years ago, and it just gave me the willies. And I've read it a few times since. Just because It's not scary. It's just eerie. And it has to do with the men in black. And it's a couple pages long, so it might be a couple minutes read here. But uh, tuck in, kids. For you <laughs> listeners, uh, now might be a good time to dim the lights and grab your bowl of popcorn and and just uh, hunker down and, and check this out. True story. So... In 
uh, Scarsborough, North Yorkshire. So I think that's that's got to be in England, England somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a, a girl named Adele, and this happened in May of 1968. Uh, she was then a 16 year old schoolgirl, and today she's a successful businesswoman and mother of two. Uh, she, she, back then in 68, she un, she answered a knock at the door and found herself looking into the face of an extraordinarily uh, strange individual. He was tall and lanky, with a black suit and tie, white shirt, and very small pork pie-style hat, recalled Adele as she told the story in the 1990s. He had an extremely florid complexion and an almost insanely beaming smile. Although he was decidedly odd, I wasn't frightened of him at all. More plainly, I was just taken aback. After grinning madly at me, after smiling madly at me for what seemed like ages, but probably was only a few seconds, the man's whole body jerked. And then he said, Have you got insurance? Is it now? His voice was most odd, like a robot's, jerky and without feeling. Looking back, I'd say it was more like a computerized voice. You know, uh, the sort that says, printer completed. <laughs> uh, Adele thought that there was something very peculiar about um, about him, but she politely said that her parents uh, would know about insurance, but that they were gone, so she suggested that he come back later to talk to them. At that, he seemed quite suddenly to sweat from every pore, and he removed his hat to wipe his forehead with the back of his hand, revealing a completely bald and totally white head. The florid complexion was now revealed to be a thick layer of badly applied stage makeup, some of which came off on his hand. Still smiling fixedly, he looked her in the eyes and said, Can I see a glass of water? Completely bemused but worried in case the stranger might collapse on the doorstep, she asked him to come in. He followed her with the strange jerky steps, his head thrown back just like a marionette walking. Adele noticed that his brand new shoes were on the wrong feet and that his trousers and sleeves were far too, sh far too short, revealing completely hairless, dead white skin. She showed him to a chair in the lounge and got a glass of water. When she came back from the kitchen, she found him standing in front of the fireplace, staring at the carriage clock on the mantel place on the mantelpiece he said he made me so nervous that i started to blabber she said i told him that the clock was my father's retirement present which seemed to be some kind of huge revelation to him he stared at me still smiling and said it is your father's time it is here and now then he took the glass of water and just looked at it i realized that when he had asked if he could see a glass of water that's exactly what he was doing. He just wanted to see it. I was flabbergasted. And after scrutinizing it in a sort of polite way, he handed it back to me, having not even taken the smallest of sips. I began to think I was dreaming or had gone crazy or that he had, but I never felt threatened in any way, just bewildered, completely bewildered. The visitor then stood staring at the clock, tapping it repeatedly and saying over and over again, your father, your father, his time his time. Turning round to face Adele with some difficulty, he had to use his hands to swing one leg around. He said, watch the lights, before patting the clock one more time and walking in the direction of the door. Adele got there just in time to open it for him, otherwise he may have simply walked into it. She followed him to the front door, babbled something about it being nice to meet you, but her visitor walked out without a word or a backward glance. Consumed with curiosity, as soon as 
she had closed the front door, Adele rushed into the front room to look through the window, but there was no sign of the weird stranger anywhere, although she had a clear view down the street in both directions. This was very strange because, as it was a very long avenue, there's no way that he could have disappeared from sight in such a short matter of time, but he had vanished. Adele told her parents that a strange insurance man, quote-unquote, had called, but added no other details because she felt unsure of her ground. They might have thought that she was exaggerating. Uh, and who wouldn't, she laughs. Uh, however, there were several unexplained incidents that happened in the wake of the visitor calling. The clock on the mantelpiece in the lounge mysteriously stopped working, although it had been working perfectly for two years up to that point. Adele's father put it away, only bringing it out again as an experiment when they, like millions of others, sat enthralled, enthralled watching the debut of young Israeli psychic Yuri Geller on the David Dimbley show in, in 1973. The viewers were invited to put metal objects or broken clocks and watches and whatnot near the TV set. A great deal of cutlery was bent and many timepieces rejuvenated. Adele's father's clock was among one of those items. Whoa. Hmm. Another weird thing that happened... Almost immediately after the man had left the house, uh, within two hours, several small but very bright white lights appeared and began to dance around the living room before exiting through the window as if it wasn't even there. Into the garden uh, is where they disappeared. Adele was still on her own and thought it might be best not to mention them to her parents, but presumably uh, they were what the man was referring to when he urged her to watch out for the lights. Yeah. What? Very odd story. That is crazy. So, uh, Men in Black, it's in, the, it's in the ballpark of Men in Black. Now, she hadn't seen anything yeah. that you know he, he told her not to speak of, but it's almost like he himself was the, was the weird phenomenon, right. and he was dressed you know, a, kind of Men in Black-like. And I mean, what do you make of that? Just the, the, the description of his appearance is eerie, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. That, that's one of the, the descriptions I've, I've heard about these guys. They're just, there's something about them that's just off. They're, they're not, they don't, it's not like an FBI agent coming to your house or a CIA agent coming to your house. These, yeah. There's something different about these guys. Yeah. They just seem like they're not quite on the same playing field as everybody, as, as normal humans would be. Um, I remember seeing, and I forget where this was. I want to say it was some one myriad of TV shows involving this, and they had even had photos. And I know in this day and age, at this point, we could pretty much fake anything photo-wise, which is kind of neat to see that people who know what they're doing can actually see if it has been faked. They can actually bring up the artifacts and tell if it's an altered photo or not. So this was actually before. This is several years ago. This is 10, 15 years ago. This is before Photoshop kind of hit its 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 stride now, but... There was a photo, like old photo, like a Victorian era photo, um, of they and they had photography back then, right? It was just rudimentary stuff, like cowboy days, like just like where it powder. took like thirty seconds to take the picture. Exactly, I had to no stand one's... still for three minutes. <laughs> That's why no one's smiling. As is... the silver plate had to <laughs> soak up all the. Um, and there's photos of these men in black. Oh, but they're dressed the same way. They had and they, the same style of hat. And they were in a different era in history. Yeah. Yes. They're in an older era of history. So for them, they're like too modern looking. 
not just too far back, but now in this case, too, why would a guy who's wearing like a three-piece suit or a two, you know, a sport coat, which didn't even exist right. in that time frame, and there's photo evidence of of these men in black completely removed from a, a time period that they would belong in, and they proved that that photo hadn't been doctored, had not been doctored, huh? Hmm. And of course, it's the same thing. Like, oh, well, some guy had a weird fashion sense. And, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I just it's 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 one of those things again. That's like there's so much to it, but then not enough to it yet. You know? Yeah. Um, I agree with you 100, percent Pat. Like, you know, the movies themselves, as themselves, I don't. They're fun, but to be what they're about, I want to see a Men in Black movie that's not a comedy. Right. You know, let's get into some of the weird. That is a movie right there, almost certainly yeah. a short a short story. Yeah. In, in, in more recent years, there's actually some uh, reported sightings of women in black. You know, two men and, and one woman show up. And so that's good. You know, they're, they're, they're all about the gender equality in today's world. So <laughs> that's good. Got to make sure that they're, you know, you know being, being inclusive. That's right. Yeah. Persons yeah. in black, we should change it Persons to. Persons in black. <laughs> <laughs> Not MIBs, but PIBs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, it's, it's interesting. And to, you know, I wanted. I would want to know how many cases of UFO sightings there have been without Men in Black sightings. Right. Yeah. The ratio there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is there is there a certain type of sighting that comes attached to the Men in Black, or you know, are they? You know, obviously they're not attached to every every right. case. So is there a certain? Do the Men in Black have a certain interest? In certain in, right. UFO sightings, but yeah. how do they how do they even find these people to approach them? Because in many cases, the people hadn't gone public at all. Yeah. You know, you know, good old uh, down to earth country, good old God fearing people, Bob and Linda. They see a weird craft, and the next day, don't tell anyone. Right. The next day, men in black show up at their front doorstep. How do they know that that you know? So Bob obviously, and Linda, the Bob and Linda were observed somehow. Right, right. it's yeah. weird. Right, yeah. You know, I remember hearing somewhere, and this is this is on the other side of things, like that there are. There's an active alien presence on the Earth. It's not debatable. And not only is there an active alien presence, but there's like dozens of of yeah. races, like species of, yeah. of aliens, and that they're, they're populating. It, right, it's kind of similar to the Men in Black movie. That it's not only is it one, it's also several different versions of aliens. And so maybe it's just like if you if you happen to see this one specific kind, they have a protocol where they you know right. if, mm. if if you only see the grays. Then the Greys have a culture where they're like, "All right, send out the 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 uh, the, the, the human robots right. that, 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 that have backward shoes and don't know how to drink water." <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting one, and and we thought it was about time to break that one out. So it kind of puts me in the mood to watch Men in Black, the movie, completely unrelated. But you know, sometimes you just got to watch some aliens. So. Yeah. But. I do like the scene of all those weird. They're kind of like they're kind of like centipede, cockroach, yeah. like bug aliens that are in the break room drinking coffee. Yeah, I love just that hanging one. out. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, well, hopefully enjoyed the episode, everybody. So uh, now we just have to go get ourselves some, uh, you know, little voodoo dolls that Pat recommended, and give each other little little massages and pats on the back with those. <laughs> Five bucks in our back pocket. High fives. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, thanks to um, freesound.org for a lot of the. Uh, sound effects and music from today's episode and uh, again the book that i read that little story from was called the mammoth book of ufos by lynn picknett and uh you can give us feedback give us comments give us uh 
give us reviews and and whatnot. You can email us if you have suggestions for main mysteries of future episodes. That's uh, paranormaldads at gmail.com. On Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Paranormal Dads. You'll also be able to find any of our show notes at www.paranormaldads.com. All our episodes are there. Just find this episode number 26, and we'll have some links up there for uh, all the things we talk about in this episode. And a special shout-out to all of our listeners. Uh, we also do have Paranormal Dads T-shirts available uh, for purchase. Uh, Andy's wearing one right now. That's right. Uh, please feel free. They look like those camp shirts you'd get at, at Camp Paranormal Dads. Yeah. Um, but feel free to message us uh, through Facebook, just like listener Griffin McKee did. Uh, reached out, said, hey, man, I want those shirts. And uh, he, uh, he himself now is the proud owner of some Paranormal Dads apparel. And, uh, yeah, so let us know, message us, and uh, with all the specific sizing and addresses, and we can get you some Paranormal Dad shirts and uh, all that fun stuff. For pricing and all that, just private message us through our Facebook page. That's right. All right, gentlemen, thanks. It's been fun. It's been real. And uh, we'll crank out another one for you all ASAP. Aloha. <laughs> Four score and seven years ago. <laughs> I know, with my glasses. Put on your monocle. Comfy. It's still too tight. I'm wasting more time than if I just knock. Singing call. a song. When will be the one? And I don't know the words. Get your poking stick and bang on the ceiling. Do it. Get your poking stick. And then you're on. Uh, I'm on pop. You're on pop. Pop. You Goes too can have a paranormal dad's field journal. Let's we'll use your sticker and right. slap it on a little book. Yeah. I just slap mine on people. Just walking through Walmart. Psh, psh, smack him in the face with a sticker. <laughs> get him, get him. You're going to listen to us.